It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, it's Dan, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today, we get you ready for the Kansas City Chiefs by coming up with some bets that we would make in this game. We come up with some over-unders, some different things like that, and then at the very end of the podcast, Doug Maurice, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams, and I all make our picks for Sunday's game. This is the only place where you're going to get all of our picks together. And by the way, stay tuned at the end. I give you an opportunity to give yourself a shout-out on next week's Friday Pod. Make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber because football season is here. If you're not signed up already, what are you doing? Go to cleveland.com slash browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the information, get that daily newsletter delivered to your inbox, become one of our tech subscribers, and of course, get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. Again, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. All right, here we go. Our Friday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our preview of the Browns and Chiefs on Sunday at 425. Uh, certainly one of the games of the week. Now, we're going to do this a little bit differently than we've done it in the past. We're all going to throw out predictions, bets. Uh, you'll you'll kind of see as we go along and sort of decide how we feel about each of those predictions based on what we think is going to happen on Sunday. At the very end, we will make our game predictions uh, for this football game. So stick around to the end for all of that. But let's get right to it. Ellis, you get to go first in this uh, this grand preview experiment and set the tone for us for the season. No pressure there. Uh, Ellis, you're up with your first uh, prediction or bet here. And here we go. All right, everyone knows that Travis Kelsey is a focal point of the Chiefs offense, and it's really a, a two-horse attack that the Chiefs have beaten teams with. It's Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and, of course, the magician behind it all is Patrick Mahomes. Kelsey's riding a four-game streak of 98 yards or more, including three straight games of 100 yards or more in the playoffs. So my first prediction is that that streak is snapped. And better yet, I think Travis Kelsey is held under 80 yards receiving against the Browns in this opener. The reason being, and I got into it a little bit on Gotta Watch the Tape the other day when Scott was talking about coverage versus pressure. And I think the Browns have an opportunity to throw bodies at Travis Kelsey in a way that defenders can cause issues for primary scores on an NBA team, whether it's LeBron James or Kevin Durant, you want to be able to throw two or three different rangy, long athletic defender defenders at that one dominant score knowing you're not going to shut them down, but you're going to make things frustrating. You're going to make things difficult and eventually lower that, that average, if you will. And Kelsey clearly is a guy, like I said, averaging uh, essentially hundred yards per game as the chiefs turned it on late last year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has talked in detail. How about this team is focused about starting fast. So you can only expect that, that, that healthy target volume to continue with Travis Kelsey, but in comes the, the dime defense, of the Cleveland Browns and Joe Woods able to throw three different safeties. If, if everyone remains healthy in this game plan unfolds, how I think it may, you got John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison and Grant Delpit between those three. You're, you're not going to see someone like Denzel Ward in the slot on Travis Kelsey. It, the Browns have learned from that. It, it was a mismatch from the start and now they have the size to disrupt the best tight end in football and end this hundred yard game streak and, and slow him down enough where he's not a, a game wrecker for the Kansas city chiefs. Like he was in the divisional round a year ago. What defensive player are we talking about? 
if the Browns hold Travis Kelsey to like four catches, five catches, 70 yards, uh, you know, maybe, maybe higher volume, but just not the, the yardage production uh, that we'd expect. What, what defensive player are we talking about? Well, I think they're going to uh, really try to utilize JOK in this regard. That's a tall, tall order for a young linebacker making potentially his first start. I think he should and will start the game. Not 100% certain because there are some indications that maybe they'll throw Mac, still throw Mac Wilson out there on the first play uh, and then maybe go with a little change up early on after that and get JOK in there. But, um, but you know, I think they, they want to try something a little different and change it up and put JOK uh, in that role and see what he can do with it. Once again, tall order, but uh, it, it would be really interesting. The, the young guy against the, um, the older savvy veteran, I, I think it could be an interesting matchup. But when you see what the Chiefs have been doing in, in practice, they're showing actually a 14 personnel look. The T-Rex is what Travis Kelsey called it yesterday. Uh, so this could get really interesting. We all know that Andy Reid is going to come up with some new wrinkles. And I'm very, very curious to see what happens. Uh, Travis Kelsey was talking about those mismatches that they can create with the four tight ends that they have. Uh, what if they do that? What if they put four tight ends out there and they've got some of these big guys and then you've got the Browns in there. Now, again, they probably would be more of in the big nickel or their bigger dime package where you've got the three safeties, but this could be interesting. And it might be exactly why Andy Reed is trying to go with that approach or seeing how that might work. But I'm very curious to see uh, if they're going to use it and how the Browns counterattack it. But I would think JOK would be uh, the guy that they would try to solve some Travis Kelsey with. If, if, if they come out with four tight ends and that means Tyree kill is not on the field. I think the Browns are all for that. Uh, but Ellis going big here with tight end prediction right off the bat. I mean, Love it. the idea of the Browns handling to some extent, the best tight end in football, that's, that's a big leap because the Browns have really struggled against tight ends. Uh, 90 catches last year, which was third most. And they're up there in the top five uh, in catches and yards against and touchdowns against for tight ends almost each of the last four or five years. But I think a big Part of this could be John Johnson, who we heard from today. He talked about the need to make sure that you're really limiting yards after catch. You're tackling people right away. And I thought back to the uh, the Falcons preseason game, the one game that he was out there. There was a big third down on, like, I maybe think it was maybe the Falcons' second drive. And the Browns blitzed, and whoever the quarterback was for the Falcons threw over the middle, and the, the route was there. He was right at the sticks, but John Johnson closed so fast and just tackled them for uh, a yard, right? You know, a yard shy of the first down mark. That was the kind of plays that you just didn't see a lot last year. People really ate up the Browns over the middle. Their safeties had so much trouble covering people. So I think John Johnson can have something to do with that. Also, obviously, JOK and, and, and Mac Wilson, but uh, just being stronger over the middle helps against tight ends. I'm not just, I, I got to see it though, man. I, I'm not ready to say the Browns uh, handle Travis Kelsey. Doug, there were only let's see, one, two, three, four, five times Travis Kelsey was under 80 yards last season, only one time after week seven. So are you over under on this? Oh, I'm probably over. I'm probably over the 80, but I do. What everybody's saying is, isn't it nice to have options, right? That, well, Maybe John Johnson will do something. Maybe JOK will do something. Maybe Grant Delpit will do something. Maybe you do slide Denzel in first. Like I, the idea that the Browns did get faster, they got more athletic with options for a guy like this. I mean, this is how you win Super Bowls, right? I mean, is are, we are we're at the point of the NFL where you've got to be able to use the tight end and you've got to be able to cover the tight end, and this is a great test. And if they pass Ellis's test, woo, you're going to feel good about it. But I think if they don't pass the test, you're still going to learn, right? And you're going to figure out, okay, well, at least they can try this. And maybe they'll figure out, oh, this actually worked a little better. But I like the idea of talking about three or four different athletes on the Browns defense that it, it you could at least throw at him. Yeah, I watched his whole, I watched Travis's whole interview yesterday. Uh, and, it, and it was really interesting because he was saying, that uh, he knows that he needs to diversify 
and that he needed to to do some things to kind of change it up a little bit because uh, I think I actually might have written it down um, how he said that. Um, he was talking about um, the fact that he had to, he knows what teams are going to do to try to slow him down. And he, he knew that he had to just um, come up with something different and who knows what that's going to be. But he feels like he has um, added something to his game. And what can you add when you're as good as Travis Kelsey? I don't know what he could possibly do, but he said he's trusting and relying on Andy Reid to find ways to help him still be super incredibly effective because he knows that teams are gunning for him. Can he do it? Can he not? It's a great, uh, you know, it's a great storyline, Ellis, and, and I think a really good one for you to, uh, to start with. And you're right, Doug and, and Scott and everybody who's talked about this is the fact that they have antidotes now to a guy like Travis Kelsey. They, these are not your 2020 Cleveland Browns defenders. I mean, it is a new world out there, and uh, it's going to be really exciting to see how, how this all plays out. Okay, yeah, so I think the, was, real quick, I just think the Browns set a, a tone defensively and a blueprint league-wide of doubling Tyree Kill every play and doubling Travis Kelsey every play. And it's something they couldn't do last year in terms of Kelsey because they didn't have the bodies that Mary Kay and Doug have alluded to. And now you have three safeties plus a linebacker capable of mucking things up for him. And when Travis Kelsey says he knows he needs to adapt, I think that's anticipation of, of what's to come because as talented as this team is, this isn't Madden. You shouldn't be able to have just two players and one quarterback go out there and shred you. Their defenses need to start demanding and, and daring the Chiefs to actually run the football and throwing it to someone other than these two guys. And now the Browns have the opportunity to double both those two. And that's why I think he's under 80. Okay. So Ellis is under 80. Doug, you were going to go over 80. I'm going to go over 80. Mary can Scott real quick. What about you guys? I'm going to go over. over. Both over. All right. Ellis on an island here. I like it. All right, Ellis Island. Up. See, Ellis Island. Ellis Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, yesterday on Gotta Watch the Tape, I suggested the handyman as a nickname for JOK. I also like the antidote as a name for JOK if Mary Kay uh, wants to get that going. I think there's a lot of options there. The, the hybrid, the hibernator. The, the hibernator? I don't know. It doesn't yeah, really get, flow off the tongue. Again, pick a nickname for JOK. Sounds like a Scott Patsco post on Cleveland.com to me. Go. So feel free to go with that. Okay. Baker Mayfield, 23 and 22 as a starter. We know that. Five and three, the Browns are, when he throws for 300 yards. Last year, he threw for, two, for 300 yards twice. They won both games. Last year, when he averaged more than eight yards per attempt, they were six and oh in the 18 games combined. When he averaged less than six yards per attempt, they were one and four, and the Kansas City playoff loss is included in that. This is an important game, but it's also a dress rehearsal because if you're the Browns, you have to assume the road to the Super Bowl goes through the Chiefs. You have to assume you're going to see them again, whether it's in Cleveland or whether it's in KC. For that reason, if I'm Kevin Stefanski, I kind of we know what Kevin Stefanski wants to do, right? With the run game and establish the run on the tight ends and stuff. If I'm Kevin Stefanski, I want to see, I want to test some stuff. And I'm going to go to Kansas City and I'm going to chuck it. Because if it works, wow, that's good information for the, for the main show in the playoffs. If it doesn't work, you've gathered information for the main show in the playoffs. I'm not sure going to Kansas City and kind of just doing your best stuff is the right deal here. I want a little improv. I want to get uncomfortable. And I also just think, I think we all think he might chuck it around a little bit more this year anyway. So I'm going, and I don't know, is this bold enough, Dan? Can I just say over 300 passing yards for Baker, or do I have to go higher than that? You know, it's up to you. It's up to you. I'll tell you right now, I'm going to take the over on that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine if you want to stick with 300. But, right. yeah, to me, you know, I've said this over and over again. You know, we love to talk about establish the run, establish the run. That's not really the way the Browns were trending last year early in games. Um, I'm pulling it up right now. First quarter of games last year from weeks 13 through 17, 
The teams that threw the ball the most in the first quarter, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Cleveland. So I'm going over here because I think we need to get that phrase establish the run out of our heads a little bit. All right. Browns are going to run the football. They have two great running backs and a great offensive line. They're going to throw the football and they're going to throw it early. Forget it. I really believe that. 350 then. If it's the 300 is too easy, 350, Baker Mayfield's best passing game under Kevin Stefanski. Last year, he had 343 in the Baltimore loss and 334 in the Tennessee win. 350 passing yards for Baker Mayfield. Again, it would be the ninth time in his 46th career start. 2018, he did it three times. 2019, he did it three times, and they were 3-0 in 2019 when he did it. Last year, he did it twice. Over 300, over 300. Well, 350. Dan was so, Dan was like, ugh, 300 does big Girl, deal. It felt easy. So I'm going big. 350. Is, uh, is Teron Matthew playing? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I mean, that is going to, that is going to be a big, huge factor. That yep. is, I mean, he was a game wrecker for them last year. Seven tackles, one for a loss, a big key interception in the third quarter. If they don't have the honey badger in this game, sorry, I'm calling him that. If they don't have Teron Matthew in this game, uh, I think 350 is well within, within reach. Although I agree with Alex Van Pelt, this is an underrated defense. This is a pretty damn good defense that you're looking at here. Um, but I think that Baker Mayfield is going to try to hit a couple of big plays early on. And I think he's going to hit them. I think he's going to hit an Odell play. Well, I, I don't want to give away some, some stuff, but uh, I think he's going to hit some big plays early. And therefore I think he's going to get over 300. I don't know about 350. So I think I'm going to take the under on the 350, but I really love the prediction. I'll also add very quickly that part of my 350 is I think they'll be behind all game and they'll have to chuck it to catch up. But frankly, if they go out and steamroll the Chiefs, it lessens the chances probably of him throwing for 350 because they'll just give it to Chubb in the fourth quarter. But if it's a shootout, then I think you got a real shot at this. I'm going to stick yeah. with, uh, you know what? Come on, Dan. Bold. I'm going to stick with the over. I'm going to stick over with the 350. over. And, and I'm just going to say that because I'll use my prediction, which is coming up next to kind of keep going on that topic. Yeah, I'll take the over and not because I think it's going to be part of the game plan. I think it's going to be a shootout type situation. You know, those three games where he got, like you mentioned, the three games that he, he top 300 last season, the Bengals, the Titans, the Ravens, those were games that they either had to, to throw to stay out of reach or to keep up and uh, the Bengals game, they couldn't run it. So I think it's just going to be circumstance and they're going to have to score to keep up. And it's not ideal for this offense. It's, it's not the way Kevin Stefanski wants things to work, but I think it's going to be necessary. Yeah. For me, I'm going to go under here and I probably would have gone under 300, the, the 350. That's not what swayed me. So I want to make that clear. The, the reason for that is I actually anticipate this game being much closer. I, I don't see it going one way where the Chiefs jump out to a lead and the Browns are playing catch up or the Browns jump out and now they're, they're milking the game. I think this is just going to be a, a balanced game. Uh, I'm, I think we're going to talk over unders at some point, so I'll keep the score out of it. But that tells me that we're going to see more of a Browns team that has those long drives. Uh, when you look back at the, the scoring list from the playoff game, uh, the Browns first touchdown drive, it went eight plays, 77 yards, and took about five minutes, a little more than five minutes. Those, the first two plays on that drive, two shotgun runs, Nick Chubb up the middle for 23 yards and another Nick Chubb run uh, on the right side for 18 yards. Uh, those are, are, will continue to be available for the Browns when a game stays within script, within reason. They're, they're going to maintain their balance and be more because of how I think this game plays evenly back and forth is why I'm, I'm decreasing Baker Mayfield's uh, yardage. I think he has puts his fingerprints all over this game, which is something we'll get to, but I don't think it's a big volume pass attempt yardage game for him. You know, it, when I look at this game, if I'm Steve Spagnola, what I'm doing is figuring any possible way out to disrupt Baker Mayfield. There's so many things that you could try to defend, but if you get Baker uncomfortable 
and get him off of his game somehow, in, in my mind, that's the, that's the way to, to win this game. If you're, if you're the chiefs that you just got to make Baker, uh, don't, you don't let him get comfortable with the play action, with the keepers, with the bootlegs, with the rollouts. Cause if he's comfortable, it is pick your poison and it is the danger zone. And these guys can get behind you and there's so many different things that they can do. So that would be, you know, in, in terms of who you're going to try to, to take out or focus on or circle in red and say, we got to mess this guy up. That that's the guy, that's the guy that you, you have to do that with. And can he do it? I don't know. Can Steve Spagnola find something to do to Baker Mayfield to make him less effective? That's, that would be the key to the game. Okay. So we, Alex said, we we're going to talk points here at some point. And so that's going to lead to mine. And this kind of goes hand in hand with Baker. This has moved actually Tuesday. When I looked at this, the over under was at like 52 something. It might've been 52 and a half. I checked today on FanDuel. It's 54 and a half. Um, I'm still going to take the over. I think this is going to be a shootout. I think these are two offenses that are, that know who they are. They know what they want to do. Uh, I, I know the chiefs have some new offensive linemen, but for the most part, very stable, same play caller, same quarterback, same group of weapons, Browns, same deal, except they bring back their whole offensive line. Uh, the defenses, you know, Mary Kay, I agree with you. I think the chiefs defense is better than people give it credit for. I think the Browns defense is going to be good. Still kind of figuring some things out. I think this is going to be a high scoring game. So mm-hmm. even with that number moving up to 54 and a half, uh, my, my fir- the first thing I'm going to throw out there is I am taking the over. I think this is going to be a high scoring game. Agree. And that's I why I think Baker could go 350 because it's just one of those games where it's yeah. both quarterbacks get into this rhythm. And the scoring just goes nuts. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to both be so incredibly aggressive. I mean, when you hear Patrick Mahomes talking about how fast they want to start, and when you uh, listen to Andy Reid, and when you when you listen to Travis Kelsey and those guys about how uh, they were, you know, they're mad at themselves for how they played in the Super Bowl. And they want to come out and reestablish themselves. And they're going to be at home. It's going to be loud. And they're going to have their whole crowd behind them. And I think they're going to take aggressive, aggressive shots. Now, they're, you know, this is not your uh, father's Cleveland Browns defense. It's going to be a little bit different than, uh, than what they saw last time around. But uh, I still think they're going to take those big shots. And I, I, I think it is going to turn into a shootout. So I'm going to go over on this, too. But what was what was the over under again? 54 and a half. Yeah, I'm just looking at my prediction here. Yeah, I'm going to go over. I think that there's going to be a lot of points scored. I, the Browns defense is going to be good this season. I just don't know if they're going to be where they need to be in week one against the Chiefs. So to be clear, week one predictions make me a little bit uncomfortable. It'd be fun to go back and look at not just our predictions for that Ravens Browns game from week one because I think we all had a good sense of how that was going to go but I remember nationally or or one of the most popular betting lines was taking the Browns like plus six or something in that game and and you saw how it turned out the reason being we just haven't seen it yet right there's we just do not know exactly what this defense looks like and all that but that aside because of the unknown I have a feeling this game it goes under and both these teams are slow to show what they are. You know, Doug made a good point about, you know, not pulling all the stops for a game like this. It, it, it's not that they won't be aggressive in, in, in trying to move the football. It's just the pace. I don't think the urgency will be there. Both teams are going to be feeling each other out. We might see some early punts. This is a defense that the Browns have completely remade that I'm confident Joe Woods will have them playing fast and they won't be overthinking, which means we might get a lot of vanilla stuff, uh, cover three, man coverage, no dropping defensive ends in the coverage, no exotic blitzes, but the Browns have the athletes to now just play head up with the Chiefs. And if they don't, I'll be completely wrong, but I, I, I think they do across the board, which went to, into my first prediction. So again, just because of game flow, a lack of urgency, I think this game stays tight into the fourth quarter, and that's when you see a little more offense, but I could just see this being more of a chess match, punt the ball, field position, and then when things stay close, middle of the third, fourth quarter, you start seeing more explosion. But for all those reasons, I, you know, I decrease Baker Mayfield's over under, and I'm also taking the under on the points. Okay. Did we get everybody on that one? 
I think we did. All right, so Mary Kay, you're up. Oh boy. This is, uh, I have a lot of different ways that I could go here, but I, I think I want to jump over to Miles Garrett and um, hang on one second. I got to look at something. Um, I, I have him for three sacks in the opener. Ooh. I feel like he's going to kind of go gangbusters. I feel like he's going to pick on some of the, uh, the new guys that are starting their first game. I think he'll move around and try to see what what and who he can exploit. Now, maybe this is where the, the extra tight ends come in and they're not going to let him do that. Maybe they're going to chip him, double team him. If Jadavian Clowney doesn't play, I think that's a big factor. I mean, he's supposed to play. He was sick again today. It's not COVID. Uh, or at least it, he hasn't tested positive for COVID yet. Um, but yeah, I know this is a big number especially because Patrick's so mobile. But I just think, I don't know. I just think Miles is going to get out of the gate really, really fast. He'll, he's going to have some new moves, some new things to show. And some of these new guys aren't going to be ready for him yet. One career three-sack game for Miles. It came on uh, September 16th, 2019 against the New York Jets in a 23-3 win. He had three sacks in that game. Um, I would have been boring and said two. Mary Kay. So I applaud you for going all the way to three on this one. So if we're, if we're saying over under here, I would take the under, but I do think miles is poised to have, a. I mean, I've said it. I think he's going to win defensive player of the year. I think it can start in this game in front of a national audience. Uh, you know, I mean, almost the whole country is going to be watching this game on Sunday. So th this could be the start of a defensive player of the year type run. So I, I expect a big game from miles. I would still maybe take the under there, but just don't know. He's got that ability to get three sacks in a game like this. Yeah, I'm just going to jump the gun here. It's time to bring back Ellis's mega lock push of the week. <laughs> and Mary Kay Cabot brought the special here. I think Miles Garrett lands directly at three sacks. Uh, I could see two in the first half, uh, them just changing his uh, formations and where they're going to line him up, uh, potentially lining him up over some guards, getting him inside. Uh, again, as this game, if I'm going to pick punts, I also have to then favor the defense and think sacks, thinks, think the Chiefs defense stalling out. Two first half sacks for Miles, and then as I continue to say, this game stays close into the fourth quarter, and you see Miles make a, a game-changing, a, a critical play, resulting in another sack sometime in the fourth quarter. So mega lock push of the week, courtesy of Mary Kay Cabot, Miles Garrett, three sacks. Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes sacked 22 times last season, uh, which I think is the, oh, it's one more than Tom Brady, one less than Jared Goff. I, I don't know. I, I'll take the under. I do think Tom, uh, I do think Miles Garrett's going to have uh, a lot of pressure situations in this game, but wrapping up Mahomes is tough. Uh, I'll, I'll go with two sacks though. Yeah, that, I mean, obviously it's a bold choice. It, to me, if you're the Chiefs and you're starting three rookies on the offensive line, then you're making sure you know where Miles Garrett is every snap and you're sending all the help that way and you're doing things to specifically prevent this from happening. Mm -hmm. So does he have the skill to do it? Yes. Do the Chiefs have a bunch of young guys who've never done it before who might be vulnerable, vulnerable to it? Yes. I just think it might be like the number one thing Andy Reid doesn't want to allow happen to have Miles Garrett destroy the game. And so I'll take the under, but man, if it happens, <laughs> people are going to be talking about Miles Garrett a lot next week. Can I, can I throw one other thing to keep in mind out that we haven't talked about? It's these two tackles. Obviously you got Orlando Brown on one side, who's a veteran, but you've got two tackles that have never played with Patrick Mahomes. And he's a hard quarterback to block for because you talk to any edge rusher, they're gonna, a guy drops that deep. You can put your tackle in a bad situation. If you're not, if he's not used to blocking for you now, they've gotten a little work with him in the preseason. Of course they've worked with him in practice and stuff, but that could be a scenario to keep in mind too. You know, miles coming around that edge. If that tackle doesn't set where he's supposed to set because he's, he's used to having a normal quarterback and a normal drop, instead of Patrick Mahomes, that could open up some opportunities for sure. And even if Jadavian doesn't play, which Joe Woods uh, said today that he does expect him to play, I've been watching a whole lot of Tack McKinley. Tack is in excellent shape. 
And he's very, very fast off the ball right now. He's very, very explosive and fast. He doesn't always get home. He's only had three sacks in his last 19 games, I believe. But he's very disruptive. And I think he will be that. So I think that will, um, you know, that, that, could, that could help Miles. You got to pay attention to what's going on on that other side. So, and the other thing with Miles is whatever you draw up for him, uh, you know, he can go in there on third down and he's the one that gets to decide where he wants to line up on third down. I mean, he could walk out there and say, oh, I like what I see here and, and send, you know, send the tackle outside. He, he has the authority to do that. So I just think he, uh, I just think he might take over a little bit. And as we know, sacks are a quarterback sack. Uh, sacks are a quarterback stat. Patrick Mahomes likes to make big plays, and I think if there are moments where he thinks he's got something, and the coverage is a little better for the Browns than it has been in the past, and he holds the ball for an extra nanosecond because he's going to try to make a play, this is going to be incumbent on how much Patrick Mahomes is willing to get rid of it to prevent Miles from doing it versus how much he believes in himself. Improved coverage, Scott. As far as I understand, coverage. And pass rush are, are linked, Scott, as far as you've taught me. So, like, if that's right, Greg Newsom. Hey, Greg, I thought that'd be there. Greg Newsom did a good job. That ups the chances of Miles making something happen. Hearing hearing us talk about this defense in this matchup, it's starting to make me think maybe the Browns built this defense a little bit to, uh, to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, Scott, what's your prediction? All right, I'm the last one here, so I think it's appropriate. I'm going to talk about fourth downs, and I have a prop bet for you. I'm going to set the over-under on the number of times the Browns try to convert on fourth down Sunday at 3.5, and I'm taking the over. The Browns ranked 11th in the NFL last season in fourth down conversion attempts. They ranked 30th in conversion rate, but that's not important. That's not what we're talking about. (laughs) They ranked 11th in actually attempting it, and that's what we're going to focus on here. I don't think having such a bad conversion rate is going to deter them from, from trying it because that's the way that the league is trending. That's why so many points were scored last season. Uh, but they averaged 1.5 fourth down conversions per t- attempts per game last season. If you stretch it up over the whole season, I think it's going to be higher on Sunday, partly because of who they're playing and they know they need to get points out of their drives and partly because of the uncertainty at kicker last uh, in the playoff game they were three three for three and fourth downs they had a fourth down fourth and one run by Chubb a fourth and one run by Baker and then that great catch by uh, Austin Hooper in the red zone on fourth and three so that's my that's my prediction that's my prop bet over under on fourth down attempts 3.5 it's a good one yeah I'll, t- I'll take the over here uh, uh, for all the reasons Scott just laid out and on top of that the Browns realize they they're in a way playing with house money, this is an opportunity for them to go in and be aggressive. And again, as I think the, the yardage totals are are decreased and it's a slower pace game, the way you do keep that score lower and those drives longer is by going for on fourth down your fourth and twos, your fourth and threes, convert those, keep the chains moving. You know, this isn't going to be a fourth and two. We're going to send Odell deep type of thing. It's going to be exactly what Scott just said that, six yard out from Austin Hooper, or you're handing it to Kareem Hunt to pick up three yards. That's the type of pace I expect the Browns to play with, which means they have to be comfortable with converting fourth down, facing fourth down and keeping their drives alive. Hmm. Go ahead, Doug. Uh, I I have a scenario in my head where like middle of the first quarter, like fourth and five from the Chiefs 31 yard line, Kevin Stefanski calls a timeout. Baker Mayfield comes over the sidelines like, Hey, coach, what are we going to do? Are we going to kick it? Are we going to go for it? Is, is Chase warming up? Where's Chase? And Kevin Stefanski looks Baker Mayfield in the eye and he says, I cut him before the game. <laughs> We're going for it on every fourth down. And Baker's eyes get wide and he runs out to the huddle and he says, coach, cut the kicker. It's on us. They win by three scores. Leave the kicker in Cleveland. Hit the over on Scott Patsko. I like that. There's no way they're calling time out there. They're going for it, period. He'll tell them about the kicker after the game. But, yeah, fourth and five at the other team's 35, that's a no-brainer. You go for it. But, anyways. Did they even notice if they just didn't put the kicker on the plane? 
and just didn't tell anybody. And they got home and they're like, Chase, that was a great game. Did you have a good trip? I just stayed at home all weekend. <laughs> Four is a lot. Four is a lot if you're taking the over. But that, that would be fun. I think I'll take the under, but I want it to be the over. How's that sound? That's a good answer. Good. I'm going to go under here. Um, I could definitely see three. Four seems a little like a little bit much. I, I could see it happening, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the under here. By the way, real quick, we talked about tempo. I really want to see if Kevin Stefanski is going to try some weird stuff with tempo this year. Like we've seen Sean McVay do. Like I know uh, Andy Reid does. I want to see some some interesting tempo tempo plays here from uh, from Kevin Stefanski. Another round of picks here real quick before we, um, if, if you guys have a second one. So Ellis, do you have another one for us? I do have one more. I, I juggled with the phrasing of this one, but I landed on rookie starting cornerback Greg Newsom will not allow more than three receptions in his debut and against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. The reason being, I think the Browns, fully understand what they have in Greg Newsom, the situation they're asking him to take on making his regular season start in Arrowhead against Patrick Mahomes and all the hoopla and hype that comes with that for that reason. And as I started this podcast, knowing you have to double Tyree kill in every, every snap, every waking moment, you play Greg Newsom underneath, you keep, him in Tyree Kill's vicinity and you always have John Johnson over the top of Greg Newsom in a buddy system type way, knowing that, Hey, don't worry, young gun, nothing's getting behind you. Cause I'm here. I can cover the, this whole half of the field. We got you. And the reason I'm, I feel confident in this quite frankly is John Johnson did this all year and for multiple seasons with the Rams. Once they acquired Jalen Ramsey, Los Angeles, as you can imagine, was able to just let Jalen Ramsey play a side of the field or, or, or take that number one receiver one-on-one, -on -one, and then they could delegate their number two corner uh, to another side and, and allow John Johnson to play over the top and eliminate the, the big play. That's the definition of the Chiefs offense, finding Tyree Kill for that big play. Does he get free on some underneath stuff? Sure. But in total, I think that the double coverage will have – Pat Mahomes looking away from Greg Newsom's side a lot and, and they'll try to make it up elsewhere and, and I think run the ball more the Chiefs need to be real with themselves in that Super Bowl game they didn't run the ball enough and, and, and teams are going to force them to commit to that so this sort of leads to that question how confident are you in Greg Newsom in this game name the starter uh I'm we'll probably see some greedy Williams I don't know Newsom might slide to the inside here and there I don't know if there's going to be reps for greedy Williams or not but uh, Ellis obviously very confident in Newsom and the help he'll get under three receptions. But for each of you, how confident are you with the rookie out there in this game? I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident. Lot, Go ahead, Scott. I feel a lot more confident than I did two years ago anticipating Greedy Williams out there. I'll say that. I, I feel pretty confident with uh, – with Greg out there, especially the way that Ellis laid it out with, with the help over the top. Uh, he's surrounded by a lot of really, really good players. I, I will say um, that I think he's going to get a lot of action though. I, I think he's going to get a lot of action because they're going to respect Denzel Ward and they're going to try to test that rookie. They're going to try to test him early and often. I think he'll rise to the occasion. I think he'll have a couple of, um, I think he'll have a couple of plays that don't go his way. Um, so I, I actually think I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the, the, the push on that. I, I think he it will is. give up. I think he will give up three. I think he'll give up three receptions. So let's say Patrick Mahomes is 28 of 39. Or I don't know. Whatever. We think of like 28 completions, like 25 of them are going to be on people other than the rookie corner. Or do we think Patrick Mahomes is going to complete like 19 passes? I'm taking the over. I think he's going to have a rookie day, baby. And just like Andy Reid is like, we can't let our rookie offensive lineman get smoked by Miles Garrett. I think he's going to be like, ah, eh, the new guy, let's throw at him all day. So I just think he's going to have a rough day because we have to be careful here. 
And I'm as part of it as much as anybody. So far, we've got like Baker throwing for 350, shutting down Travis Kelsey, three sacks for Miles Garrett. The rookie <laughs> corner plays awesome. And what are the Browns going to win 75 to two? Like there's going to be some stuff that goes wrong for the Browns. And I think this is going to be one of them. So I would take over unless it's just like, I mean, to your point, Ellis, you know more about coverages and stuff than me. So it's like, it's like on Greg Newsom's side and he kind of had the early coverage, but by the time the completions made 40 yards downfield, it's no longer his responsibility. So he doesn't get blamed for it. So that's like on John Johnson and John Johnson's like, great. I got 12 completions on me because <laughs> we only made the rookie cover the first five yards <laughs> of the field. I mean, I guess if it's that, I just think Andy Reid's going to find it. I'm taking the over on this too, but I love that they're throwing Newsom out there. Uh, I love that they're just get, putting him on the field. They obviously have the confidence in him. Uh, to just throw them out there against this matchup. I hate I hate the idea of protecting rookies unless they absolutely show that they're not ready or they need protection. I, just, I mean, with Justin Fields, right, there's been this discussion. Well, do you want to put him out there week one against Aaron Donald? Okay, but there's great pass rushers every week. Week three, he's got to play Miles Garrett, right? So if a rookie's ready, I say throw him out there and see what happens. And if he struggles in this first week, okay, that's fine. Um, that's life as a cornerback in the NFL. Uh, so I'll take the over, and I don't really mind if he has a rookie day. I, I can live with that because I think long-term, I, I just like having him out there and just throwing him into the fire. Um, oh. in, in, in terms of, um, Greg, another thing to consider, and I have no idea how they're going to do this or if they're going to do this, but you also potentially will have Greedy active for this game. In the event that Greg needs – you know, a little break needs to come sit on, you know, look at it, look at the, uh, look at his device for a little bit and see what they're trying to do to him, whatever. I mean, you can roll greedy in there uh, if you need to for some snaps. I have no idea if they're going to do that, um, but that could possibly happen. Uh, you know, you can, you can throw Greg out there and he plays the entire game and plays every snap and everything is fine. But there is that chance that Greedy will be, be available for some duty and maybe they will do some little bit of platooning. Not sure. Well, I think I'll Go just ahead. say real quick, uh, when they played the Chiefs in January, two players on the Browns defense, so it's going by PFF tracking, two Browns defenders gave up more than three receptions. Both of them were linebackers. Good sitting talky talky. The point is the Browns are going to probably play a lot of zone and maybe, maybe Greg Newsom's kind of involved in some of these catches, but it's more of maybe the person running out of his zone and someone else not picking them up, or maybe there's a communication issue. So I can see some rookie issues, you know, being involved in that, but actually being dinged for three catches by himself. Um, they, they would definitely have to be, to be targeting and they targeted talky talky eight times. And that playoff game, I don't think Taki Taki is going to be out there to get thrown at eight times this time. So someone's got to get thrown at. <laughs> All right, Doug, give us your second one. So I was going to suggest this at the beginning of the podcast, since you guys all know more like a hundred times more about the Browns than I do. I was going to say, I, I shouldn't do any, and I'll just take pot shots at what everybody else says. <laughs> like, could we just maybe move toward that? Cause I don't have a second thing. I barely came up with the first thing I was in the weeds researching Baylor Baker Mayfield's passing yard. So I don't have anything other than like, I don't know, chase McLaughlin misses four field goals. If they put him on the plane, I don't know. I don't actually mean that. So I'll just sit back and uh, be prepared to disagree with Ellis when somebody else has a good idea. All right. Well, I'll give you this one then Kareem hunt over under 50 receiving yards. Did it once last year. It was against Baltimore on Monday night football. I keep thinking about that screen pass that Nick Chubb dropped and the struggles he had in the passing game against Kansas city and how little I thought the Browns actually used Kareem Hunt in that game. He did end up scoring a rushing touchdown, but I know Mary Kay, you were surprised too, that we just didn't see more Kareem Hunt in that football game. I think there's a matchup problem there. If the Browns can find it, I'm going to take the over on Kareem Hunt over 50 receiving yards in this football game, even though he only did it once last year. I'm going over 50. That's an interesting one because we have talked about this. I thought they really blew an opportunity to seize upon the revenge factor with Kareem Hunt. I mean, you could see, uh, you know, when he got into the red zone, just how important it is 
uh, for him to score against his former team, how much he wanted to get into the AFC championship game. So this game is vitally important to him. Emotion means a lot. Um, and if they uh, take advantage of that this in this game, which they should, then I could see him going over 50 receiving yards. It would be interesting because uh, you've got so many other guys that you think of that are going to have a bunch of receiving yards. But it's only it would only take a couple to get there. Little catch and run. He can rumble through those guys. I, I'm with you on this one, Dan. I'm, I'm taking the over. Yeah, I, I remember the playoff game last year by halftime. We're all asking, where's Kareem Hunt? No right. catches, no carries. It, yeah. it was just weird. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I think I, I want to take the over because I want to see it. I want to see like the big revenge game. I don't know if it's really a revenge game, but uh, with the way things ended there, but uh, just him going there and actually having a really good game, helping the Browns win. Uh, I kind of want to see that. So uh, yeah, I'll take the over. I'm going to go under here. I think cream has a makes one or two splash plays in the receiving game. I got to watch the tape. I talked about how they should phase Nick Chubb out as a primary receiver and delegate those reps to cream hunter, Dimitri Felton. But I think the, one of the, most important storylines I'm going to be following through the Browns four, first four games is how Kevin Stefanski deploys his embarrassment of riches. And that is just going to naturally take some time to iron out and figure out what personnel groupings work best, how to keep Nick Chubb's game flow going while sprinkling Kareem Hunt. And because of that, I think it's going to take some time. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kareem Hunt has a similar role in this game as he did a year ago, where you don't see him early the game stays close and he comes on late as, as he did was really his calling card all of last year until I see how Kevin irons out again, his, his all his toys and or the tools in his toolbox. I can't comfortably say cream Hunt's going to be out there enough to, to surpass 50 yards receiving. So I'll take the under. And I was going to take the over because Ellis talked me into it. I've got to watch the tape. Ellis's whole thing is like, don't throw to Nick Chubb, throw to Kareem Hunt. I was like, oh, that sounds good to me. And then Ellis doesn't do it. I think I'll take the over on one play. Like a perfect screen. One perfect screen for 58 yards. Right? Can't you just see that? I mean, you get like, right? You get one, you know, Hooper's out there with the block and here comes Joel Batonio and that's enough because they do run that play to the right guy, which Ellis detailed. And then Mary Kay just said, right. I mean, Nick Chubb is not the right guy for that kind of play hunts the right guy. And you do, you do it one time. Well, and you'll hit Dan's over. So I'm riding with Dan. Come on, Ellis, come aboard. Follow your own logic. Ellis. I said two splash plays. You just went with the mega splash. I went the splash. And I do, I do think again, we saw them try to get the screen game going last year against Kansas city and it didn't work. And maybe that changes because you don't want to repeat what you did in that playoff game, but it tells you a Steve Spagnuolo defense is very aggressive. How do you use that aggression against him in the screen game? And that could be where Kareem Hunt or even a Demetri Felton comes in. I think that's something uh, to keep an eye on. And don't you guys, don't you guys agree that because now this is not our get in your feelings pod. I understand that, but (laughs) Don't you guys agree that that emotion can really carry you very far? And that when you've got a guy like Kareem that has this that natural built-in revenge factor that you have to take advantage of it? Yeah, if, if he gets if he breaks a screenplay for 50 yards, the last 10 are going to be him plowing through three guys. Right. That's just the way he runs. And, yeah, it was just really – it was so strange, that playoff game, watching yeah. him just be a non-factor. It was. I, I can't see that happening again. Angry runs. Angry runs from Kareem. He's got them in him. Now, to be fair, he has nothing to be angry about because it's his own fault that he got released by the Chiefs. So Correct. he can decide whether his emotions are angry or not and whether that fuels them. This is not just like a team gave up on me. This is like they didn't want to give up on him, and they had to cut him for what he did off the field. So – but it's, if he feels revenge motivated, well, it doesn't matter if we think he should have that revenge in him or not. Right. It sounds yeah. like Mary Kay that you believe that he's kind of said things that you believe he does feel that. So maybe it does factor in. Well, yeah, I, I think that, yes, I think he carries that deep within his soul that he 
feels that they gave up on him, especially because he loves Andy Reid so much and, and Andy really loves him. I mean, there was just a lot of emotion in that, uh, in that whole situation. And right or wrong, he does have that, that feeling about him. So anyways, that's for, that's for our next season's pot. Yeah, I mean, Doug, <laughs> to your point, it doesn't matter what we think. It matters right. what he thinks. Yeah, but I just would like to make the point that he shouldn't think that. <laughs> but if he does, it's his business. So, yeah. Right. yeah. All right, Mary Kay, you're up. Do you have a second one? I have a second one. And because I picked my friend, my new friend, Anthony Schwartz, to get five touchdowns somehow this season, why not start out with one for him right off the bat against the Kansas City Chiefs? I don't know if he's going to catch it. I don't know if he's going to run it, but somehow I think he's going to get into the end zone. And I suspect that he's going to get behind the defense and catch a touchdown pass. That's my guess. It might even be on the first play of the freaking game, but I think he's going to do it. And that's my, that's my story. So the, so the bet here is Anthony Schwartz scores a touchdown. Yep. And by the way, Mike Prefer today left the door wide open for them to try some different things in the return game, I thought. Because Stefanski has said Dimitri Felton's kick returner. Right. And then Mike Prefer today was kind of like, eh, you know, we'll sit down, we'll talk about it, we'll figure out who the return guys are. Yeah. That could end up being Felton and Peoples-Jones. But I don't know if they think Schwartz is ready. I could see him throwing him out there for one or two return opportunities. Maybe not the primary guy, but just toss him out there to spark something. Yeah, I think I think offensively they need to get Anthony on the field again. As I keep rewatching this Chiefs Browns game from a year ago, it's painfully obvious how little the Chiefs respected the vertical game of the Browns, and then that trickled into the, the Chiefs being able to sniff out the screens. Right, you know, teams that can't generate explosive plays need to manufacture them, and a great way to manufacture them is the screen game. So I anticipate Anthony Schwartz having an opportunity early in this game deep downfield. Perhaps he finishes the game with one catch for 28 yards, and if that catch comes from somewhere just outside the red zone, then I could see him falling in the end zone. But I don't – I think it's more important to establish him – and expand the Chiefs secondary than it is to somehow get him in the end zone. So it's more about when the catch happens and where than it happening. So because of the, the lower probability of that, I'll take uh, no score for Anthony, but I think he does play a pivotal role in expanding that Chiefs secondary and giving the Browns offense an opportunity to breathe and then sneak in some screens in the back end. Yeah, I, I'm going to say no touchdown for Anthony. I don't – I just – I don't know. I think it's going to be more like, like Ellis said, it's going to be about him creating space. Um, I don't think he gets into the end zone. I think they use his speed and not his hands so much this week. I am Anthony Schwartz skeptical for the entire year. So I am going to go under on everything related to Anthony Schwartz. Cause I do think he's fast. I don't know how much polish he has. I don't know how reliable his hands are yet. And I'll sort of believe it when I see it, but. I've been wrong a lot. <laughs> For the record, uh, Doug was Donovan Peoples-Jones skeptical last year. <laughs> I remain Donovan Peoples-Jones skeptical. You but, do? Yeah, wow. To some extent. to some Because now we've gone like way. It's like I think people think he's going to be like all pro this year and stuff. So, um, yeah. But yeah, no. I, I mean, if, if Odell's healthy all year and they want to do all this other stuff, I, I remain somewhat skeptical about, about both those guys in terms of gigantic impact this year. I still think their bigger impact comes when they don't have both Jarvis and Odell on the roster. Hey, real, real quick on Anthony Schwartz, uh, over under two offensive touches. I thought you were going to say snaps. Push. <laughs> Push. Push. Under. <laughs> under. Under. I think he gets one opportunity. I said it to yeah, two, so I'm going to take the push as well. You don't think maybe one little uh, jet sweep and one little. I, I, I see how it happens, but I, I still think is I can just see the stat line. One catch, 28 yards. You played your role, kid. Welcome to the NFL. All right, Scott, you got another one for us? I, I do. I came up with another one. Uh, and it's going to be true or false. Jarvis Landry gets flagged for taunting in this game. <laughs> the NFL is really cracking down on it. No more flexing after a big play. I mean, he, 
he sometimes he just can't help himself. I, what do you have two at least last year? Uh, he's going to have one in this game, I think. And it, there's so much emotion wrapped up in this game. Such a big game. Jarvis is Jarvis. He's going to make a big play. And it, the new kind of focus on taunting is going to, is going to rear its head. I wish we would have recorded this earlier. Uh, Cause I, I had actually meant to ask Jarvis about that. And then we went so long between like when we talked to him, it just totally was out of my mind when we talked to him today, but I'm going to, I'll take this one. Yeah. I think Jarvis, I mean, Jarvis was in the video. He was one of the examples of taunting and points of emphasis. So yes, he's getting a taunting call on Sunday. Once again, is Teron Matthew going to play the game? (laughs) If I knew the answer to that, I would have a better answer to a couple of these. If Teron was playing the game, absolutely. He's getting a taunting. No question about it. Uh, But I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say he's not getting one. Yeah. Mary Kay, you took the words out of my mouth. Rewatching this game. It is apparent how Tyron Matthew is the motor behind the chief's defense, both physically and verbally. And as much as he jaws at the the receivers out there, it was a real David Njoku, Tyron Matthew back and forth throughout the whole game. So if we get Tyron, I think him and David re-spark or rekindle that love hate, if you will. And and someone on the Browns is getting flagged because he knows how to stir that pot. Probably one of the best, one of the best in the league at it. No doubt. Yeah. I'll take that too. Uh, That's a great, that's a great call by Scott. That's (laughs) All right. Anybody else have anything before we get to our game predictions? I don't know if there's anything we didn't cover. If you're just sitting on one that we can go through real quick. Uh, I just wanted to mention, I just wanted to mention real quick that we went through this whole exercise and we didn't even mention Richard Higgins at all. We didn't mention, you know, a guy who played such a, uh, had a role in such a key play in the game last year. So we really didn't mention him and we really didn't mention uh, the absolute, superstar all Berea receiver we did mention him briefly but donovan people's jones uh to doug's point we turned him into uh, jerry rice this summer basically <laughs> but um but we didn't mention either of those guys so th- i thought that was kind of interesting that we haven't we haven't really thought too much about how they will impact this game well we'll, we'll do it now who gets more snaps sunday i'll take i'll take higgins but oh, wow that's a fun one. i think you can go mm. either way that's I, think, I think I think people's Jones out snaps Higgins. Me too. I go deep, Donovan. I know yeah, who's got Higgins. Yeah, I mean, yeah. come on. Scott thinks Rashard Higgins is gonna have negative snaps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll stay home with Chase McLaughlin. As excited as I am for this game, and every, obviously everybody listening to this is super excited for this game. I'm just so eager to see the snap counts when they, when the game yeah. is over. I can't wait to see how they play these dudes on offense and who plays and who plays more and who, how often are they in 12? How often are they in 13? How often does DPJ? I can't, I can't wait to see how Kevin Stefanski deploys all these guys. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's one of the things we'll be watching of course on Sunday. So now we got to pick this game. So this line has moved too. I said the over under moved, um, but I'm looking at it right now. It's at five and a half. So the Browns are, I'm sorry, the chiefs are favored by five and a half. It was six and a half, I think, maybe earlier in the year and maybe even earlier in the week. So here we go. This is the only place you're going to get to hear our predictions. Um, who wants to go first? Who's feeling the best about this? I'll go first. Uh, okay. The five and a half, I, w- I was happy to take the plus five and a half there because I think the Browns are winning outright. I, I think the Browns have a real chance to uh, catch the Chiefs by surprise, that, that element of unpredictableness that they didn't have a year ago. They have a chance to have it in their offense. Doug talked about how the snap counts are, are going to get divvied. I've spoken in detail and got to watch the tape and also a post this morning on how Kevin Stefanski has an opportunity to just be multiple and be versatile and keep the chiefs on their toes. Kansas city knew exactly what to expect from the Browns offense last year with how under wraps Kevin's kept everything plus all the new wrinkles and toys you add to this offense, it, it has a chance to just be as unpredictable in its execution, but look the same in its presentation. And, and that's Kevin Stefanski to a T in his subtle changes. And now he has the toys to do so. And then you can say the same exact thing in the deep about the defense, but it won't be as subtle. They're going to be in your face. They're going to beat you with their athletes. And again, Casey is not going to be ready for the, the new additions, 
because he hadn't seen him. So it's the timing. The Browns are the healthiest they're likely going to be all year. And it seems just like a perfect storm to go in there and upset the Chiefs. I, I think they win by three or four points, like a, a 28-24 final, something like that. Uh, but the, the five and a half, I'm more than happy to take. Okay, so we have one prediction for the Browns. Ooh, if we're going next? in order of who feels best, I should go last. <laughs> I'll be honest. I've, I've been wrestling with this one since the schedule came out because I, I think initially the thought was, oh, God, they have to open against the Chiefs. What, what, what are they going to do? And then, you know, you kind of go through the season. And obviously, look, when you are around a team and you're watching OTAs, you're watching training camp, everything feels good, right? You're always optimistic. You can talk yourself into a lot of things. That playoff game was close last year. I know Patrick Mahomes missed the last quarter and a half, but it was if Rashard Higgins fumbles, you know, a yard later and he's in the end zone already, that game might have turned out a little differently. And Mahomes was still in the game at that point. So I'm not terrified of this game. I still might be terrified of just picking the Browns to win it, though. So I think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to take the Chiefs something like 35-33. Um, but, yeah, that, I'll take that five and a half. And it would not shock me if we're talking about a Browns win on Sunday. I just I, – I, I don't have a reason to be, like, terrified of this game for the Browns. Man, how far we've come. Finally breaking the, the winless streak on the road against the Chiefs. Like, I don't know, that would, like, brains would explode. Like, they have not won a, an opener since 2004. They haven't, and before that, the last time they won was 1994. I went back and looked that up today because I wasn't sure. I knew, like, since 99, they'd only done it once. But that's a long time. And not saying that you drag all that into every year, but still um, – if it was any other team in week one, I'd pick the Browns to finally break that streak. I just don't, I can't say that this team is ready to go on the road against the chiefs to start off a season and win at Arrowhead. That, that just seems like a huge leap. So I'm going to, I think, I think it'll be competitive. I'm, I'm saying like, like 38, 30, roughly something similar to yours, Dan. Um, but I think the chiefs, I think the chiefs win this. Yeah. You know what? This is a tough one after, after standing out here watching every single training camp practice and really seeing uh, what this new defense is all about, seeing all this talent on this team, seeing them so loaded on offense, knowing that there are no weaknesses. There are no weaknesses on this football team except for the kicker, really. Um, it, is, it is really stocked on both sides of the football. And uh, I think they are going to give those Kansas City Chiefs a real run for their money. I do think to a certain extent the defense is built to beat the Chiefs because I think the feeling there is if you can beat the Chiefs, you can pretty much beat anybody else. So if, if that's the bar that you set, that you can beat the Kansas City Chiefs and you're matching up well against uh, Tyreek and, and Travis and those guys, then you can pretty much beat anybody in the NFL. So I do think that there was something to that. Um, however, once again, I still think there is just the, the arrowhead magic, the Andy Reed magic, the, the Travis Patrick, you know, Tyreek, I think they're mad at themselves for what happened in the Super Bowl. I think they, I think they really feel that they do need to start fast. They're going to have their fans in the stadium. Uh, I think they're going to be playing with their hair on fire. Oh, I don't know. I, I think the chiefs come out on top in this one. Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 34 to 32. That leaves you, Doug. So <clears throat> I picked the Browns to win 13 games in the regular season, which I, I think is more than anybody else. Is that right? Yeah, I, that I was right? at 12. Yeah. Yeah. So if you picked them to win fewer than 13, but you think they're winning here, where are you getting the losses? They're going to go win at Kansas City, and you're going to find five or six other losses this year? I think if you, like, think they're going to win here, you should have picked them to go 16-1. and one. I have them in front of me. Do you want to, do you want to, do you want to hear them? We'll save it for God to watch the tape next <laughs> Exactly. <week. laughs> so I think they're going to be excellent, and I think they're going to not really compete all that well in this game. I think we are going to get a version 
defensively of what we got in the opener at Baltimore last year with the offense of like, man, they have a lot of good players, but oh yeah, this didn't really work. And that did, oh, it's going to take some time. And by the way, you make one little mistake and Patrick Mahomes is going to make you pay for it. So I think they'll probably look worse than people expect. I have 38, 23. I will give the five and a half all day. And then they regroup and Kevin Stefanski gets them back and then they win 13 games the rest of the year. I just think this is the single toughest game on the schedule. It's the single toughest game in the NFL. It's the best team in their place when they're mad. They're mad. And as Mary Kay said, if we think the Browns, like the Browns aren't more motivated than the Chiefs for this game. It's not like there's a motivational edge. I mean, maybe it's a toss up, but like the Chiefs want to remind everybody of who they are. Now they got a bunch of you know, three rookies on the offensive line. I get it. Tyra Matthew doesn't play. That really hurts. They still got Patrick, man. They still got Patrick. And I think the Browns are going to be awesome. I just think sometimes you lose, man, this is a tall order. And I, as Scott said, I think I literally would pick them. If Kansas city was in Cleveland this week, I might pick the Browns. If they were playing any other team in the NFL on the road, I might pick the Browns. I can't pick this. And I've got the chiefs by 15. So you're saving your Browns pick over the Chiefs for the AFC Championship game in Cleveland. <laughs> Save that clip, play it back <laughs> in January, and I will make that pick, yes. I should know better by now that 51% of Doug's questions are rhetorical. Uh, that, that's on me. I, I, I know better. I think you're underestimating. Every question I ask is just an excuse for me to talk more. You know that. <laughs> All right, there you have it, our uh, Kansas City and Browns preview, some bold predictions. I got to tell you, I don't think the Texans game is going to be nearly this interesting to uh, to talk about, but that's all right. We're, we're going to do it. Tyrod, it's going to be Tyrod. We're going to have a whole week of Tyrod. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> like I said on Twitter, bet the house on Davis Mills setting the rookie touchdown record. Now that Tyrod Taylor is the starter in Houston. So what he does, keeps the seat warm for the rookie touchdown record, guys. Uh, okay, our picks. All of that will do this every Friday on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We'll be back with a post-game podcast that will come to you immediately after the game or close to it. Sometime on Sunday night, Monday morning, uh, you'll get that podcast uh, in your feed. So make sure you're subscribed. And I'll tell you what, between now and Sunday, make your predictions, leave a five-star review. And if you get it right, I don't just want a game score. I want to give me some bold prediction in there. We'll, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast next week, but it's got to be a bold enough prediction, a five-star review. Those are the requirements. Anything else, anything less than that, you're not getting a shout out on the podcast. So make sure you go on the Apple podcast store and do that for us. So for Doug, Scott, Ellis, and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.